Please open your Bibles as we will read from several passages of God's Word. The first one is from Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. And we'll begin reading at verse 1 up to verse 8. So Genesis 21, 1 through 8. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abram called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abram circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abram was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abram that Sarah should have, should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abram made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And then we go to the New Testament, to the book of Galatians, and also dealing with the same subject, basically, but just to prove that this is an important passage, and so we turn then to Galatians. Galatians, which is right after Corinthians, Second Corinthians, and we'll read from Galatians chapter 4, the verses 27 and 28. Galatians chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. And there we are told. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate has many more children than she which has a husband. Now we, brethren... As Isaac was, are the children of promise. And then we go a little bit further yet into Paul's letter to the Hebrews. And so Hebrews chapter 11 and the verses 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 11, the verses 11 and 12. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him, that is God, faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, and that is Abram, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable." So far, then, the reading of God's Word, and those words will also comprise our text 
for this hour. As you will remember, that I started a series on the life and times of Abram, and so this is the next one in this particular series. But we're first going to go into prayer. Now, before we go in prayer, I just want to uh, say a few things about this as well. As you know, the situation in the Ukraine is very, very serious. And you may remember that way back in the year 2000, when I was still with you as your pastor, that you actually uh, sent me to the Ukraine, along with some money from the uh, Mitchell congregation and also from the St. Thomas congregation, and that I was um, there to teach at a seminary for two weeks uh, in Donetsk, that is in the southern part of the Ukraine. I took with me at that time some four uh, suitcases full of clothes and, and suits and so on, particularly for the students and their wives, because many of them were very poor, still are very poor. And when I was there teaching them, uh, I could sense that there was a sadness about them, a sadness because they were being oppressed by the Russians. In fact, they were not permitted even to uh, to speak uh, Ukrainian or sing Ukrainian. And they were very sad about it. Many of them were very poor because of the oppression of the Russians. And um, at one time, we um, be- before I taught the lesson, I asked them to sing. And they would sing a hymn, and they would do that regularly. But one time I asked them if they could sing a hymn in Ukrainian language. And uh, they consulted with each other, and uh, yeah, they would. And so they sang a Ukrainian song. And as I observed and listened, I noticed that many of the elderly began to weep. And at the end of that song, after many were weeping already, at the end of the song, I asked them, what was it that you sang? And they said, we sang the Ukrainian anthem. It was their heart's desire that the Ukraine would become a free place where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ could function. And over the years, I've stayed in contact with them. And over the years, yes, there have been a number of reformed churches established in the Ukraine. And not in the least in Kiev, where they also started a seminary. And now Kiev in his great struggles because it is being bombed relentlessly by the Russians. And so uh, I want to pray for the Ukraine as well, also for some of the Russians because they are opposed to what Putin is doing. But I want to pray for the Ukraine, for the churches, the reformed churches in the Ukraine particularly, and for those poor people. And I just wanted to introduce this to you because it's a very, very serious matter. So let us then go in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning hour, and we thank you that in all freedom and all quietness we may gather around your holy word and testimony this morning. And we thank you for the reading of your word, and as we hope to hear something about Abram and Isaac's faith and the promises that you have given them, we pray that we may learn some some beautiful lessons from it. And we thank you that we may therefore sit in all quietness and listen to these lessons. 
And we thank you for the people who have gathered with us. We thank you for the guests that are with us as well. And we pray that they may feel at home with us and that through it your name would be honored. And we ask, therefore, that you would bless us and bless us richly with your word and Holy Spirit. And grant that we may be lifted up, we may be encouraged to know that you are a God who gives us great promises, but also fulfills those promises in and through your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, therefore, that we have your word and that we could read from your word wonderful things. And we thank you for this because, Lord God, when we uh, want to hear what man has said and what man does, there is very little that we can rely on. In fact, we live in a very deceiving world. And it is the deception that Satan wants to spread around in such volumes that everyone will become distressed. And Lord God, we do pray, therefore, that you would bless us. And grant also to each one of us individually that we may know that we are at peace with you, that our sins are forgiven, that we may walk in ways that are pleasing to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ is that great and wonderful Savior, that we may come to him in all our needs and that we may find our help in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant, therefore, O Lord, forgiveness of sin, cleansing of all unrighteousness, and that we may experience that wonderful faith in the Lord Jesus, that we may entrust our whole self to him and to him alone, because he is the one who can give us, who can give us a future that is beyond words to describe. And Lord, as I've tried to explain to the congregation briefly something of what is happening in the Ukraine, we pray, O oh, Heavenly Father, be merciful upon the Ukrainian people and upon the churches that have been established there over the years, also the Reformed churches and the pastors whom I've had the privilege of meet as well at a certain time. And Lord God, they are in great distress because of the war that has started and the bombings that has happened all around them. We pray for these people many of them very poor. They don't have many riches. And Lord, we ask that you would remember them in mercy, that this war may cease, and that there may be an end to all the fighting and end to all the killing. Lord God, we pray for those who are injured, for those who have lost loved ones, for the destruction that has happened, that there may yet be hope for them. We also pray for many Russian people who are opposed to this war, who feel that it is not right what their leader is doing. And Lord, we pray that you would establish peace. Remember all of them. Remember our nations and grant that this will not escalate in something much worse. And Lord, many people fear that this could happen as well. Will you be pleased to protect us? And will you help us? And may this come quickly to an end. We pray also for our nation and for the difficulties that we are facing. And Lord, we ask that you would help us and that we may see things come to the clear as well. And remember our government. We pray for a change of heart in those who are in government for Prime Minister Trudeau, that you will turn his heart towards you and towards your word, and that there may 
come a government that will respect your word and want to follow it. And Lord, therefore, please forgive the sins of our nation and of our government. We do ask that you be with each one of us here as well, even the little ones. Remember each one of us in mercy. Grant that our worship may be to the honor and praise of your name and that those who are going through difficult times may experience that you have not left us nor taken uh, leave of us, but that you're still with us. We pray for the elderly amongst us and those who are ill, those who are going through difficult times because of, of the difficulties that, that surround them. Lord, be near to each one and remember us all in your mercy. We pray for our pastor who is preaching elsewhere, uphold and strengthen him and make all things well with him and his family. And so look upon each one of us in your mercy. And we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let us continue to worship the Lord our God and do that with the singing of Psalter number 210, all the stanzas. And may the Lord bless you also in your offerings as well.
in response to the sermon, let us sing from Psalter number 85, stanzas 1 and 2 of Psalter number 85. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the words that we have just sung may have sounded rather sad and grievous because, yes, uh, there, is, there is something that, uh, that is sad about some of the situations that we face, especially this day. The words that we have, uh, have sung, therefore, are, are words that express something of, of the struggles that we, you and I, could go through. Shall I, his promise, faithless find, has God forgotten to be kind? And, you know, these are some of the things that, that you and I, and as believers, we may very well experience that, wow, has, has God forgotten us? But thankfully... These are not the last words that we have sung here in this Psalter because it also gives us to confess in due time, though I am weak, God is most high, and on his goodness I rely. Of all his wonders I will tell, and on his deeds my thoughts shall dwell. And so there's something good as well that comes from it all. Now, I believe that um, uh, Abram and, and Sarah uh, could also identify with these very words that we have been able to sing this morning as their expression of their struggles and of their experiences also of the Lord's blessings as well and His goodness. And so, as we continue in our series um, on the life and times of Abram, let us then consider the Lord's promise of the birth of Isaac. The Lord's promise of the birth of Isaac. And there's four things I want to consider. First of all, as a promise delayed. Secondly, as a promise believed in. Thirdly, as a promise fulfilled. And then lastly, as a promise rejoiced in. So first then, we want to consider the Lord's promise of the birth of Isaac as a promise delayed. Now, congregation, Abram received the promise from the Lord that he would one day get a child by his wife, Sarah. A child of promise, therefore, as we are told in one of the other passages we have read. And this child of promise would then be the beginning of a nation so large in its population that it would be like many as the stars in the sky for multitude, innumerable as the sand on the seashore. So the Lord has indicated to Abram. Now, this promise came to Abram very visually late one evening, one night. The Lord actually called Abram out of his tent and he was told to look up into the sky at that very moment. And then he said to Abram, Abram, I want you to count the stars if you can. Well, obviously, it was impossible for Abram to count all those stars. Well, God says, you look at those stars. This is how, how great, how the multitude of your offspring will be as it begins with Sarah, your wife. But now, the coming of this child of promise was greatly delayed. And let's assume for a moment that Abram married Sarah when he was 30 and when Sarah was 20. 
And that's just an average, but that is a fairly reasonable estimate. But their married life proved to be childless. Childless. We're told already in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, that Sarah was, was barren. She had no child. And when Abram was 75 years old, and Sarah was 65 years old, they had been married for so long, and that is when Abram decided to make a move. That is, they would move from Haran, the area where they lived in the northern part of the Palestine district, and they moved down to Canaan. And they were still childless at that time, 40 or 45 years married life together already, but still without a child. And it was around that time then also that the Lord God came with his promises to them again, and yes, he promised them a child. But 10 years passed by, 20 years passed by, but still no child. And true, yes, the Lord repeated his promises to Abram and to Sarah, and he did that occasionally as well, but still no child. And by the time Abram was close to 100 years old and Sarah close to 90 years old, perhaps some 70 years in their married life, both of them realized that this is not going to happen. They were well beyond, so they knew, well beyond childbearing age. But still, no child. A child which was promised to them. A great delay, therefore, in what the Lord had promised them. What's going on? They may have said to each other, what's going on? Now, dear people, what the Lord promises... That he will do. And we hope to see that in a few moments as well. But the Lord sometimes, no, he often delays in what he has promised. There's often a lengthy space of time between the promise and the fulfillment of such a promise. Not always, mind you, but many times it is the case. Now, we do not know really how the Lord operates in this way. We, we don't always understand this well. To us, this is sometimes a big puzzle why the Lord delays in what he has promised. To us, it seems far more practical. It seems to be far more advantageous to have those promises fulfilled as soon as possible. But not so with the Lord. Not so with the Lord. He delays as he pleases. And this is, after all, because he, the Lord, is God. And he has his wise reasons then also for such a delay. Now, what might be some of those reasons for the Lord God to delay in fulfilling his promises? Well, perhaps you and I, we, uh, we are not quite ready to receive what he has promised. That's a possibility. Perhaps we have not taken his promises seriously enough yet. That too is a possibility. Perhaps we have not been engaged in prayer pleadings with him for those promises to be fulfilled. That too is a possibility that we should remember as well. Or perhaps it is simply just a test of faith 
that the Lord brings upon us. But whatever the reasons might be, the Lord will often delay in fulfilling what he has promised until he sees fit to have it fulfilled. Now, dear people, the question that we need to ask ourselves as well, are you waiting for the Lord to fulfill his promises in your life, in your life? Does there seem to be a long delay in fulfilling those promises? But are you busy with those promises enough at the throne of grace? In other words, are you busy in praying on the basis of those promises? Is the long delay making you more ardent in your prayer life? Are you becoming a stronger prayer person in your life? Is your faith challenged in this? And does it bring you to the Lord God, you see? Well, whatever the reason might be, this is also how the Lord delayed it with Abram and with Sarah as well. But now, this is what we must consider in the second place. And the promise that is believed in. The promise that the Lord gave to Abram and to Sarah uh, was believed in by both of them, Abram and Sarah. Yes, also Sarah. And I want to underline this. True enough, Abram certainly he believed in what the Lord had promised him. And we read that, for instance, already in Romans 4, that Abram, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not, all, not being weak in faith, speaking there of Abram, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in the faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And you can read all of that in Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Now, we know, therefore, that Abram certainly believed in the promises of God. But this was also the case with Sarah as well, you see. And one of the texts we've read speaks of that. Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him, that is God, faithful, who had promised. And so we can say then that both Abram and Sarah believed the promises of the Lord. Yes, their faith was put to the test, all right, to be sure. Perhaps this is why there was such a long delay between the promise and the actual fulfillment of the promise. But they continued to be faithful. Their faith had to run the endurance course, so to speak. And you know, when people uh, go on runs and, and, and jog, they, they, they want to become strong in, in what they're doing, and so they go on endurance races at times in order to strengthen them. Well, and this is also how it was with Abram and Sarah in their faith. Their faith had to run the endurance course for them. And uh, we've read of, of some of those endurance courses in the previous chapters that we've heard about in the past. 
the exercise of faith, you see, was not always very consistent with them, however. There were periods also of unbelief in their faith life. There were bouts of despair even. At times, they even tried to take the issue and the matter in their own hands. And I've spoken of that as well a few months ago. And yet, amazingly, the Bible teaches us, and that is God's word for you and for me, it still praises their faith in the end. Both Abram and Sarah believed it was faith that God worked in them. And what is even more amazing, that the Lord delayed so long with them so that they could not have any natural hope anymore for getting children. And so it became a matter of a miracle. A miracle, that is what they now had to believe in. So their faith could look only at a miraculous intervention of the Lord. And they believed this as well. Yes, God can do miracles. The Lord had them therefore exercise their faith, and their faith consequently became a very strong faith in the end. So strong, in fact, that they could believe that the Lord would do a miracle to fulfill this particular promise. And so Abram, yes, he considered his body as good as dead. And he considered also Sarah's womb as good as dead as well. But he reasons, you know, if, if the Lord has promised this to them, if he has promised them a child, such deadness will not be an obstacle to the Lord God at all. He will do a miracle and he will overcome their deadness and he will fulfill his promises to them. Now, dear people, there are some really good lessons for you and me to be learned in what you've just heard. And let me just open this up for you for a moment. First of all, the Lord God gives his promises in his word. And these are called covenant promises, for instance, covenant promises. Those promises, they come to you when? Well, normally, uh, if we have been raised up in the church, normally they come to us at baptism already. Those promises have come to you at baptism. Uh, I will be your God and you shall be my people. I will forgive your trespasses. I will wash away your sins. I will renew your life. These are promises that come to us already at baptism. And of course, we need to be instructed in this. And this is what parents need to do. And you and I, we need to be busy with those promises every day in our prayer life. And that enriches our prayer life, you see. Now then, these promises that the Lord uh, has given us must not only be taken back to the Lord in persistent and in pleading prayer, but they must also be believed in, you see. These promises must be believed in by you and by me. And that could be a struggle. They must be believed on, even when all natural human possibilities militate against it. They must be believed on even when we cannot understand how those promises could possibly be fulfilled anymore. They must be believed on when only a miracle of the Lord can still perform it. And so, 
The question comes to us already at this moment. Do you believe, dear brother or sister, that God can still do miracles? Do you believe that God can still do miracles? Do you believe that He, God, can bring order out of chaos? That He, and that is particularly a very prominent question for today, that He can turn war into peace, that He can turn hatred into love, that He can turn strife and bitterness into fellowship and harmony again. Perhaps you are looking at the present situation and you say, well, only a miracle of the Lord can bring any change about today. But do you believe that God can do such a miracle, you see? Is it your conviction that He can do it? Are you wrestling in prayer with the Lord God for such miracles to happen? Don't forget, and this is, of course, the second lesson that we need to learn, that is, the greatest event in a person's life is what? Regeneration. That's another big word, and it means to be born again. That's the biggest event that can possibly happen in a person's life, getting born again. That also requires a miracle of God, doesn't it? We can't turn ourselves around, but God can. And therefore, it's a miracle. It's a miracle to be born again. It's a miracle to have your heart broken from sin and to have a spirit of repentance about sin, a spirit of faith in looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you cannot, and I as a preacher, I cannot force, I cannot possibly force a person into such a true change of conversion, of repentance and faith. But God can. He can. You can point out, as, as a preacher, I can point out the necessity of that, for instance, and I can speak the word of God to you about it. I can tell you that the Lord is, is very sincere in, in what He offers, that He can and will turn you when you pray Him for it. But ultimately, it's a miracle that needs to happen. But do you pray for that miracle to happen? And do you believe that the Lord can still do that as well in your or in, in your, your loved one's lives, your husband, your, your, your wife, or your children, grandchildren perhaps, that he can do that in their life? Do you pray for such a miracle to happen, therefore, to, to your children or to your neighbors, to your friends that you've met up with? Do you pray that such a miracle can actually happen to you in your life? That's a question that I need to ask. And when you realize that repentance does not come naturally to you, do you pray then for a miracle of grace to have the Lord's promises fulfilled in you? Because by nature we are so rebellious, aren't we? We don't want to go in the direction of the Lord because that's the flesh, you see. But God can do a miracle to change you. He can. Now, Abram and Sarah, they were cast completely upon the Lord's miraculous powers. And um, um, those promises were fulfilled. They believed that those miraculous powers of the Lord will work in them and on them. 
And the text makes this very clear as well. Abram believed. Sarah believed. Because, so we are told, they judge him, that is God, to be faithful, reliable, dependable, who had promised. And then there's a third lesson to be learned yet for us. Believing in the promises. Now it is sometimes glibly said, oh, just believe in the promises of the Lord and they they will come true. But what is necessary, dear people, is nothing short of believing in God himself. That is, believing in him. That is, judging him, that is God, to be faithful who has promised. And of course, you know that there are many promises in the Bible, in the Word of God. Wonderful promises as well. But will it simply do to believe those promises and confess, oh yeah, they they will happen someday? No. First and foremost, what is necessary is true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in His sin-atoning sacrifice. Faith, you see, refuge-taking faith in His willingness to take you in as a sinner and in His ability to forgive you and to cleanse you of all sin. Now, as I said already, there are many promises in the Bible. But if you do not have true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you may do all the claiming of those promises as you like, but they will not be fulfilled in you and with you. Saving faith in Jesus Christ, unconditional surrender to Him is what is necessary first and foremost. And only then can those promises be fulfilled, effectually believed on, as it was with Abram and with Sarah. They could judge that the Lord, so we are told, that the Lord is faithful who had promised Now, there's yet a fourth lesson to be learned in all of this. When you have true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it becomes so much more beautiful and simple to believe and embrace those promises. Because then your concentration of of, of faith will not be so much on the promises as on Him who has promised. Then your trust will be completely on the Lord God Himself. And you want to know more of who he is. If he has promised something, well then, could he possibly deceive you and let you down? No, he is faithful. He is faithful in all things. Faithful also in what he has promised. And you see then what happens. Then the eye of faith is not so much on what is promised as as it is on him who has promised. Then we begin to look to him and we begin to see, yeah, in God is true faithfulness. So it was with Abram and Sarah. And then it became a promise fulfilled with them as we must consider this in the third place. We read in Genesis 21, the verses 1 and 2. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Now, dear people, the promise of the Lord was fulfilled in the life of Abram and Sarah. 
they did get their child. But notice, they received their child at a set time. That is, at God's appointed time. At the time that the Lord God deemed it right and proper to fulfill his promise. And I'm sure that Abram and Sarah would have loved it had they received their child already 60 or 70 years ago. Shortly after they became husband and wife. But the Lord fulfilled his promise at the set time. That is at his appointed time. And his appointed time are always the best times, you see. Why? Because then the Lord gets the honor for it, you see. Now, the child that Abram and Sarah received was, as we are told in our readings, a miracle child. He was not conceived and born in the regular, natural season of time. The Bible seems to want to emphasize this and underline it for us on several occasions. So let me just point it out to you. Because we are told in Genesis 21 verse 2, Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son, when? In his old age. And then uh, Genesis 21 verse 5, Now Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And then Sarah's words in Genesis 21 verse 7, She also said, I have borne him a son in his old age. And then Sarah herself, uh, she also spoke of that in Hebrews 11 verse 11, that she bore a child when she was past age. So by natural, by natural laws, they, they could have had no child. There was no child for Abram and Sarah. And therefore, the child they received was definitely a miracle child, or as it says in one of our texts, Galatians 4.28, this was a child of promise. And by the way, is this not what we could also say of the Lord Jesus Christ himself? That when he was born of Joseph and Mary, that he too was a child of promise. He was a miracle child. And that is when God gets all the honor and the praise for it, you see, as well. And then to take it one step further yet, can this not also be said of you and me, who are born again, that we have become children of God by way of a miracle? True enough, as one of our texts also says this, that we become children of promise. And again, there's where the Lord God gets his praise and honor. Well, certainly, the Lord God did receive the honor when the promise was fulfilled in the life of Abram and Sarah. As we must see this in the last place, a promise rejoiced in. Now we read that, that Abram named his child his son Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? You know what Isaac means? It means laughter. Laughter. It was Abram's way of rejoicing and showing his thankfulness to the Lord God for the precious gift of a child. Isaac, laughter. And as grateful and a thankful father, Abram then also saw to it 
that his child would receive the sign and the seal of the sacrament at the proper time. As we read in verse 4, Then Abram circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Genesis 21, verse 4. So this is then being part of being thankful, you see, to the Lord for fulfilling his promises to us. That is, obeying his commandments, doing what he wants us to do. A thankful Abram therefore saw to it that this child whom he has received from the Lord would, re, would receive the terms of the covenant applied to him. And Sarah, she too, she rejoiced. We read of that. And she did so in a confessing way, in a witnessing way. Genesis 21 verse 6. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear me laugh with me. Referring, of course, to the laughter of unbelief many years before. And that was a sinful laughter. You can read back of that in Genesis 18, verse 12. But by way of thankfulness to the Lord, she confessed her sin. And now she speaks of a laugh of rejoicing. As to say, well, you know, I laughed once in unbelief, huh, me, to receive a child at 90 years of age? But now, now the Lord has turned my laugh of sin into a laugh of rejoicing, so that all who hear it will rejoice with me. At the same time, Sarah witnesses of what the Lord has done to her. And again, we read of that in Genesis 21, verse 7, Who would have said to Abram that Sarah would nurse children, for I have borne him a son in old age. What a witness this is, dear people, to God's deeds. This is how Sarah could rejoice. This is how she could give thanks to the Lord for his fulfilled promises and for his faithfulness. And certainly, the Lord's faithfulness can and may be rejoiced in Dear people, if the Lord's faithfulness has been shown in your life, if some of those promises that you have received have already been fulfilled in your life, you too have the obligation, as Abram and Sarah showed it, to be grateful to Him and to be thankful for it as well. How? Well, first of all, by being obedient to what He, God, has commanded you to do. And then also by confessing past sins of unbelief. And also of of witnessing to others what the Lord has done for you. Abram and Sarah, they could rejoice because of the promises fulfilled. They received their child of promise, Isaac. Laughter. Now... You know, of course, as I indicated already, that the Lord Jesus Christ was also a, a child of promise, a child of miracle, a miracle child. And he, Jesus Christ, is much greater than, than Isaac could ever be. But, and this is what I must say, that we see something in Isaac as a foreshadowing of who is to come, that is, Jesus Christ. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ was prefigured, he was prophesied 
in that very person of Isaac. Or we could still say it in other words. The greater than Isaac is here presently. The Lord Jesus Christ, that is the Son of God, was more than Isaac could ever be a child of promise. There was a long delay in his coming too, wasn't there? Not merely just 60 or 70 years as it was with Isaac, but actually some 4,000 years after the first promise. And when was the first promise? You can read of that in Genesis chapter 3. And you can look it up for yourself. But Jesus Christ, he has come, hasn't he? And he has come as the son of promise, as the man of miracles. And so, have you already begun to long for his coming in your own personal heart and life? Have you received him already, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior? If not, if not, plead him to do what you cannot do, that he may do a miracle in your heart and enter into your heart and life. And if so, Have you not found it a joy as well to receive Him, to be your Savior? By faith in Him, you see, by faith in Him, you will have more promises coming yet. Oh, yes, they will come. Because we are told that in Him, that is in Jesus Christ, all the promises are yes and amen. So, dear people, be faithful to the Lord because He is faithful as He has promised. Let us therefore repent, feel sorry, ask for forgiveness for our unfaithfulness. Let us cling more closely to Him who has promised that He will do what we cannot possibly do. And when by faith in Jesus Christ any of those promises are fulfilled, let us not hesitate to do What Psalter 85 suggests, ye righteous in the Lord rejoice. Tis calmly that with joyful voice God's saints his name should praise. With harp and hymn of gladness sing, your gift of sweetest music bring. To him a new song raise. Amen. And let us sing of that from Psalter number 85. One and two.
Let us close in prayer of thanksgiving. Lord God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the encouragement that comes out of your word that we would believe the promises, but more yet, that we would believe in you who promises so plentifully. Grant to each one of us, therefore, that faith that will never disappoint. That faith will bring us to rejoice in who you are and what you can do for us. We pray, therefore, that you would bless us as we leave this place of worship and that we may think about the things we have heard and that we may respond in a way that is positive. For you are a God who is good to us. We thank you for this. Be with us now, therefore. Take care of us on the roads and bring us back again safely this afternoon as we want to explore again the beauty of your word and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please keep us and guard us and guide us in the way that we should go. And we ask for all of this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing Psalter is number 168. The stanzas 1, 2, and 3. 168, 1, 2, and 3. Our doxology is 436, stanza 3.
Return home to your homes with the blessings of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Doxology 436 stanza 3. <laughs>